Welcome back to another installment of the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. This is Worldview Wednesday. Our host for today's episode is Ryan Eras. Good day and welcome once again to the podcast for cultural reformation brought to you by the Ezra Institute. Also hosted on the Cross Politic Network, not Cross Politic, Fight Laugh Feast. It's the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Get us on the Cross Politic, though. Hey. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should talk. Yeah. I'm Ryan Aris, and I am joined once again by Dr. Joe Boot. Nathan O'Black has driven a fifth of the way across the country in the, <laughs> the wrong, wrong direction, direction. <laughs> and he's still out of town. We're expecting and hoping that he'll be with us again next week. <laughs> See, on that little aircraft, you can get 70 miles to the gallon on that. Oh, man. <laughs> totally redeemed yourself with that. <laughs> well, well we we're in the Rockies. Yeah. It's a yeah. long way away. Uh, did you bring extra gloves? I did. I didn't actually use them in the end, but um, yeah. Oh. I did have spares. Oh, good. Yeah, that was uh, that was prudent. <laughs> <laughs> well, Joe, welcome back. You have indeed been in the Rockies and uh, made it back safely, so we're, uh, we're praising the Lord for that. And the reason that, uh, that you are out in the Rockies, we've talked about it several times here, is because of the Runner Academy. Mm-hmm. This year's 2022 Runner Academy just wrapped up last week, as well as the Mission of God Conference West in Edmonton, Alberta. And you were a uh, you were a key player at at both of those Ezra events. And while it's uh, while it's still fresh, I thought uh, we just we just talk today about why do why do we do things like the Runner Academy? Mm-hmm. Uh, who who was there? Uh, what was the what was the response? And what uh, what can we expect going forward? Yeah. Well, it was an absolutely fantastic time. I can say that. Uh, really, the um, the setting we were in, of course, uh, was it w- helps when you're considering, you know, Christian worldview and uh, Christian philosophy and cultural apologetics, because it's a heavy schedule in one sense. Mm-hmm. But um, every day, the students are looking out across uh, the snow-capped mountains, and uh, the uh, the venue this time just outside of Golden uh, BC. Uh, we were up uh, right there, as I say, in the in the Rockies, and um, the uh, the outlook from our seminar room uh, with, through you know the the whole bank of windows um, was just absolutely spectacular. And we had um, were they as as rocky as uh, anticipated? <laughs> yeah, I think that John Denver was telling the truth, right. uh, <laughs> based on what I saw. Um, uh, but although the Americans that we had with us on faculty were actually saying that uh, they thought the Canadian Rockies were more spectacular and felt closer to you hmm. um, than uh, than in the the American Rockies. I guess Is that right? that's to do with the placement of the road, obviously. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, some of our American uh, faculty were just bowled over. So uh, it was a, it was a splendid setting. That of course you're up in the mountains, so the the weather was mixed. Um, we had some good days and some rainy days, but the rainy days help when you need the students to concentrate. For sure. Yeah. And uh, we had a full house, so it was a, a great cohort of students. Um, we had some from uh, one one from Europe, one from Asia. The rest were Canadian. We're, we're um, telling our American uh, 
friends, students to, to hold off until early next year when we plan planning our first runner academy in the USA. USA, that's right. We'll be right. announcing that soon. So we'll, we'll talk about that uh, in the weeks ahead, but that's, uh, that's pretty exciting. So, um, and as well as, uh, um, I mean, 10, 11 days of um, intensive teaching, there was uh, hikes up the mountain. Um, I mean, of course, it's the summer now, but we got as high as the snow belt. So, you know, wading in snow up on the mountains there. And uh, there was even a uh, cool. uh, a white water uh, rafting trip. I think only yeah. I think only three students or four maybe students bailed out of uh, terror. Is that right? <laughs> they, uh, <laughs> they and the rest, the, the raging river, and yeah, and the rest came realized down. It was optional. Yeah. So, uh, but it was the Kicking Horse River, and it was mm. Category Four plus uh, rapids. And uh, I went down the river with the students. It was it was absolutely fantastic. But it was a it was be- that was pretty much like being in a uh, a freezing cold washing uh, washing machine right, uh, right. and uh, so it was pretty interesting but um, totally thrilling at the same time so we had an absolutely uh, fabulous time um, at the at the academy and then we had a wonderful conference in Edmonton uh, uh, actually we, we we were quite surprised by the sudden uptick in registrations and we had a wonderful day uh, dealing with the, the kingdom of God versus utopianism that was our theme yep and uh, had a great time with uh, with friends and um, and contacts and new friends out there. And, and uh, one of the things that was very encouraging, both at Runner and uh, at the uh, the Mission of God conference, was running into all the people who are listening to this podcast. I mean, um, just such a surprise. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, small cohorts of people from all kinds of professions um and uh, all kinds of uh, churches and backgrounds who saying they heard about the program uh through the podcast or that they heard about the conference through the podcast or that they are groups in their church are listening to the podcast even a, a group of rcmp officers what are listening to the podcast it's just um very encouraging that uh, people are being feel supported feel mm-hmm. um resourced feeling yeah. blessed and encouraged by um this relatively new endeavor for the Ezra Institute. I mean, we've only been yeah. sort of at this seriously for what, two years two now? Two years now. Yeah. And so uh, to see the, um, the way in which it's being an encouragement to, to believers across, across the country and beyond is, uh, is really heartening. That's a, uh, that's a great word heartening. And again, uh, for, for all of you who are listening, I've, I've actually, I've met some people who have, who have come up to me uh, here and there and said, Oh, I got, I thought you you looked busy. I didn't want to say anything, but I just wanted to let you know that I appreciate the podcast. Like, don't worry about interrupting us. That uh, that really does encourage us mm-hmm. to to hear that uh, the work that we're doing here is finding real flesh and blood audience. We had a wonderful number of emails while we were away. Some of which you forwarded that's, to me. That's right. Um, from people sending in notes of thanks and encouragement about the podcast and. Uh, just you know, for those who are listening, that, that those really do hit the spot. They're a huge yeah. encouragement to us uh, yeah. in in the battle and in the struggle and in all the um, ups and downs of um, of ministry life and uh, the the challenges and the op- as well as the opportunities that uh, confront you. It is uh, really encouraging to receive those emails, those those notes, those words of uh, of thanks and encouragement uh, because it it helps us uh, focus what we're doing. And, um, and and give us a sense of what is really um, helping and serving uh, the Christian community. So 
That's Keep right. those coming in if you get a chance. Yeah, we really appreciate all of that. All right, so Joe, what I uh, what I thought we'd we'd talk about. That's uh, that's great to hear about uh, the uh, the activity out west. Uh, what uh, what was it? Not necessarily about going out west, but what was it about a you know an intensive residential, small sort of selective admission program that became the Runner Academy. What uh, what was it about this program, this content, this faculty, uh, these sort of criteria for students and delegates mm-hmm. that uh, that we thought that this is the way. This is really the way to. Uh, have a powerful impact on culture for the kingdom? Mm-hmm. Well, just in terms of, uh, I guess, in some respects, this is an opportunity to sort of uh, promote um, the the Runner Academy for future years, just take a, a minute or so to do that. Um, the Obviously, the, uh, you know, the one of the uh, things about the Runner Academy is it isn't just an open conference. It's not a conference, it's an academy. And so That's you right. have to apply. And uh, you have to be interviewed and, and um, be selected for the program. And that does give us an opportunity to uh, to identify those people who we think will be able to maximize the opportunity. Yeah. And um, so it's not a holiday. Uh, it's not a vacation, um, although people often say it was more refreshing and <laughs> rewarding than, 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 than a vacation mm. uh, uh, because of all that you're being fed, I suppose. Um, and of course, we... Speaking of feeding, we had a fantastic chef with us. That's right. Yeah. So uh, our friend Bill came out, and it was actually absolutely incredible food. Um, so there are there are many wonderful things about it like that. But uh, by by being able to identify those people that we think will be able to maximize the benefit, you get a, a remarkable uh, sort of cross section of people in their twenties and thirties. And there were a few that we uh, we let in, sort of just in the the nineteens, the there, the very late teens, right? Um, but largely twenties and thirties who are um, in uh, vocations that are directly engaging culture, medicine, law, politics, education, the arts, and so on. And so you you have this opportunity to for for young people, for students to interact right across these different disciplines and reflect on and think through, okay, what does the gospel, the fullness of the gospel, what does the Christian world and life you really mean for me as a believer in every area of life? What does it mean for my vocation? Um, How does it impact not just my life in the church, my personal devotional life, but how does it impact the culture around me? How, How does it impact the public space? So those are the things that we are wrestling with and thinking through and uh, helping um, the students grapple with. And so far from being um, purely a sort of academic intellectual exercise, uh, of course involves rigorous intellectual reflection, but it results in very practical implications. And I think that's, that's where so much of the benefit is derived because you move from the theoretical consideration of, of, of a Christian worldview and a Christian philosophy to these very specific areas and the way that um, ideas have consequences in culture mm. and the way that we as believers are um, can be equipped to respond. Um, so that kind of um, uh, way in which the program works from a selection point of view is, is very helpful in, in 
making the program pretty unique, fairly special. And also um, this year, um, in part because of ongoing restrictions, we had a a somewhat pared down faculty. Right. But interestingly enough, that gave the faculty members that we did have with us more opportunity to develop their themes. And actually, that worked really well. Yeah, uh, there's more more of a uh, in-depth tutorial seminar style. That's right. And yeah, so there was a, there was an ability for for those um, uh, various uh, faculty members to really develop what they wanted to say, rather than having just a couple of lectures um, uh, to to very much develop their theme. And of course, a big part of the Runner Academy is building relationships with the students, the delegates. Yeah. And that's obviously much easier when you've got more time, more sessions with the students rather than ju- just uh, just one or two. So um, that made it pretty special uh, as well. The relationships that are being forged and formed, and of course, you know, one of the goals of the H. Evan Runner International Academy is that uh, far from being simply a conference, it, it's the beginnings of really a, a network yes. of young Christian leaders in various vocations across Canada, the United States, and the United Kingdom in particular, those those three nations, but of course beyond. We had um, a student actually from Pakistan this time. Right, yeah. Uh, who's the head of a, a seminary in Pakistan. Um, but um, it, uh, it, it it provides this, this sort of network, if you will, a sort of... Uh, um, William Wilberforce had his his kind of informal Christian cabinet. They became known as the Clapham sect. Yes. But the notion of actually developing a whole network of reformational believers across the country were thinking these things through uh, in detail and then in, in relationship with each other. Yes. Fellowship together, uh, talking with one another, thinking together, even planning and, and strategizing together, coming up with ideas together. Uh, that's um, that's a big part of what makes the, the Runner Academy um, a pretty special and unique event. Uh, and you know, I don't think we're bragging in any way to say this is you're hard put to find uh, a program like this in in North America. Yes, it's, yeah, it's and, very unique. Yeah, and a lot of that does have to do with the uh, with the students who uh, who are on the program with us. Like you say, this is not uh, a come one and all kind of admission process. And just just to add to w- what you've been explaining, I. I say this when I do the uh, the interviews with the candidates before they come, that the reason that we run the Runner Academy, the reason that the Ezra Institute exists, is not to prop ourselves up as if we are we are some project to be, or some some organization to be perpetuated, you know, from here to the end of time. We're here for you know the kingdom of God and for the glory of Jesus Christ, mm-hmm. and I I tell them that we we want to we don't want to take them out of their home church or their home context or you know tell them all to be missionaries or anything like that mm-hmm. that's that's a wonderful calling praise god for that but we want to take them for a time give them this sort of intensive training give them a full orb view for their life and their vocation mm-hmm. and send them back to it to to really maximize the impact that they can have in their own, as their own little platoon mm-hmm. for the kingdom in, in their, in their calling. Yeah, exactly. And every, every time I say that, everyone says, oh, I love that. Like that's, <laughs> yeah. uh, that sounds terrific. Yeah. yeah, so we made clear actually in the opening lecture that uh, we're not there to try and make everybody theologians, pastors, or missionaries. Um, 
quite the contrary in that sense. We're we're about the kingdom of God, and we want um, believers in every sphere of life to be on mission in the sense of grappling with what are the implications of the fullness of the gospel of the kingdom and the lordship of Jesus Christ for their area, their sphere of influence, and mm-hmm. um, that's why it proves to be, I think, uh, uh, a powerful resource. So we we. Uh, we're looking forward to seeing the Runner Academy grow across Canada, the the U.S. and and beyond in the um, in the coming years. Well, may it uh, may it be so. But one of one of the uh, the cool things about doing a cultural theology is that when we talk about culture, culture is really just the activity of a group of people, the beliefs and values and activities of a people, their commitments. So when you do cultural theology, you're kind of walking in with a master key that can get at the question from, you know, a multiplicity of angles, mm-hmm. uh, which is, which is great. But one of the, uh, one of the, one of the place that I want to land with that is at the, the closing lecture that, uh, mm-hmm. that you delivered at the Runner Academy. Uh, you talk about uh, Howard Evan Runner, H. Evan Runner, mm-hmm. uh, and the culture of beauty. And I wonder if you could just explain sort of why that uh, why that functions as the capstone lecture and what mm-hmm. it uh, what it entails. What's interesting, what I said to the uh, students in the very first lecture is that during this week we're going to tell you what we're going to tell you, mm-hmm. then we're going to tell you. And then we're going to tell you what we told you. Right. And um, so, you know, I talk about a reformational vision of um, life and culture in the first lecture and sort of summarize it. Then, of course, we have 10 days of those of lectures going into the details. Yeah. And then um, I conclude with this sort of, um, you know, you call it a capstone lecture. That's not a bad way of putting it, actually. Uh, a way of sort of drawing those threads uh, together. Mm. And... Um, I think one of the great uh, the great tragedies, actually, um, of where we are as Christians today, and this is something we really go at throughout the program, is the uh, the false dualism that's actually hindered the development of a coherent framework for the Christian life that validates and encourages a culture of beauty. You know, we often talk about the fact that. You know, we tend to think about the Christian life as about a future reality, an ethereal reality up there, a spiritual reality in the sweet by and by, and maybe largely restricted to my own personal piety and personal devotions, as important as those things are. And um, the uh, uh, one of the things that we, we point out is actually the, the Hebraic Christian tradition within the Western context has actually left us an incredible legacy uh, in culture. Um, now, of course, we're squandering it pretty fast and we're sacrificing it and we're pulling the statues down and we're desecrating the images and we're in this iconoclastic age of wokery, of jiggery wokery that mm-hmm. is trying to destroy that uh, legacy. And it, it's an imperfect legacy, of course. It can be improved on and it will be improved on from by Christians in the future. Um, but... Um, we have this this remarkable legacy, and of course, a lot of people in their 20s and 30s, um, in fact, really for th- several generations now, we've not really lived in what we can call Christian culture. Yes. So we've really lost sight in some cases of what it is. Um, 
but um, we're image bearers of God. That's what we emphasize in the, in the in the program. And as such, we have a calling to develop culture under God. Culture, as we often say on this program, is really religion externalized. It's just our applied beliefs. So it's mm-hmm. how people apply their beliefs uh, within creation. So creation is not culture. Culture is what we do with God's creation, whether it's in um, the family, mm-hmm. um, in um, the arts, uh, in law, in politics, in education, um, in the, uh, the economy, in business, in every aspect of life. And it's important to remember that as God's image bearers, God is the creative personality behind everything that exists. Um, and so it's it, what it means to be human. You know, we sometimes talk about um, being human as being homo respondent. It's being a responding creature. We're made to respond to the word of God. And that word God has spoken in creation itself, in the Lord Jesus Christ and in scripture. And uh, through that word, we are called to build, to establish, to, to pursue, to seek first the kingdom of God, the rule and reign of God in every aspect of life. And that's what our first parents were set in the garden of God to do, to turn that beautiful creation into a culture. So they weren't given creation shrink-wrapped and microwavable. Right. Uh, I'm sure Eve in the first few nights uh, was, you know, getting um, uh, the as the as the ground was becoming uh, covered with dew, uh, was getting um, soaked, saturated, and probably said to Adam at some point, Adam, you know, I'm tired of sleeping on the floor here. Do you want to build us some kind of a shelter? It's it's uh, constantly getting damp down here. Yeah, yeah we need a we need a, some kind of roof. Right, we need some kind of some a kind structure. of way to get ourselves up off the ground. Yeah, and God Himself sets them in the garden to tend and to keep it. You know, left to itself, it just becomes a wilderness. Yeah. So this is the, some of the most fundamental things that we learn about what it means to be human, to turn creation into a God glorifying culture, and although the fall distorted and um, marred the image of God in man. We'll talk about a bit more about that in just a moment. Um, that cultural mandate to rule and subdue, to tend and to keep, to, um, to worship and to serve has never been rescinded. It's still what it means to be a human being, to respond to the word of God mm-hmm. by um, building a culture of beauty. And um, I love what um, Father Abraham Kuyper, as we like to call him, uh, Mm. said on one occasion. He said, um, as image bearers of God, man possesses the ability to both create something beautiful and to delight in it. So we're image bearers of God. We don't begin de novo, of course. We don't begin from nothing in the way that God does. Right. But we get to work with the pre-existing materials of the creation and fashion those things um, that, that surround us uh, in terms of God's laws and norms into a culture of beauty. I remember going to a, some years ago now, I, I took my son to a car show in, in Toronto. Right. And yeah. um, uh, it was maybe three or four years ago. And we, we both uh, were both keen on uh, cars. And so we wanted to go and um, see, this, see this show. And, and, and it had everything from sort of, old vintage cars right through to the latest concept cars. Mm. 
And um, we were about, I don't know, halfway through. And I remember as we got to um, some of the, the concept cars section, and it's sort of somewhat mind-boggling as you go from the vintage section to the concept car section, the, 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 the progress of, of technology, technique, um, which in itself is not evil, right? right. It's, again, this is to do with the, the, it, into whose service we put a creativity and technique. Mm-hmm. Technology, so like the pursuit of technology is a, a Christian endeavor. Absolutely. Right. And uh, we, I, I, we were looking at this one incredible car and I said to him, Isaac, look, everything that you see in here, this, this incredible machine, this beautiful machine, um, has been taken by human beings in a raw state from the ground mm. or from an animal. That's right. And it's remarkable when you think That's, about it. All the computer technology yep. um, in, the, uh, in those vehicles, of course, the leather taken from animals on the, uh, of the seats um, and uh, the, the various alloys and plastics and then the way they've been fashioned and formed in the most um, intricate and sophisticated ways into these concept vehicles that's that's culture i mean the 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 oars in the ground our creation the concept car is culture that's right and uh and of course this happens in every um area of life so um it's it's actually critical that we that we think through you know as in the one of the titles of one of my books gospel culture what does it mean for the gospel to shape and form um uh, culture in us mm-hmm. and um, that includes everything of course from politics right through yeah. to uh, the arts which are often overlooked by Christians yeah yeah I think Dorothy Sayers says something very similar to uh, to Kuiper uh, Dorothy Sayers was a you know contemporary and a friend of C.S. Lewis J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. but uh, she said she says that something like you know, when it says that, uh, when God says, let us make man in our image, that's right there at the very beginning of the Bible, of narrative history. We don't know a whole lot about God at that point. Uh-huh. You know, one, one thing that we do know is that he creates. Right. God's just, God has spent five other days creating the rest of the world, the animals and everything in it. Now let us make man in our image. That's that's what we know about God at this point in recorded history. Yeah. So to be an image bearer of God is to be a, a creative, a culture maker. maker. And it's, isn't it remarkable how, how neglected that truth has been, though? Because we've tended to think about um, human life as Christians and the gospel in terms of a, a, a spiritual world in an upper story of reality. Right. Uh, rather than the gardening and you know vocation and uh, uh, diapers and family and drawing and painting and music and arts and political life and law and economic life and education and study and the sciences and sports and so on and so forth, all of these things we we spoke about at the Runner Academy, um, but this is a this is a creation affirming message yes and uh, and yet you were speaking to you know some believers who perhaps not encountered this yet you would think that um really the um the christian life was about escape from this world into another another world or the rejection of culture um and that pretty much nothing that we do in this life 
will pass into eternity. I mean, people often think that. They neglect to consider what Paul teaches about the fact that actually it's only those works that are not wrought in Christ in terms of his kingdom that will be burnt up, the wood, the hay, the stubble, the straw. That won't get through. But the scripture, the prophets say that um, the glory of the nations is actually going to be brought to the king of kings himself. Um, and they will bring their treasures and their glory to him. So um, human culture isn't either just some sort of temporary thing that's going to be utterly decimated and destroyed um, and burned to a cinder. Um, everything that we do in, 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 uh, in this life actually matters. And you can see that actually uh, in, a, in an imperfect way, of course, this was at least reflected to a degree in the the medieval era. I like to think about the the, the arts for a minute because yeah. the artisan, because we're talking about being creators and creativity and so on. And you can't talk about a culture of beauty without the arts. Yeah, like the, sort of, yeah. it's uh, it's more than that. I think it's important to emphasize that it's more than that, but it certainly isn't less. Right. Well, everything we we um, we do uh, culturally has an aesthetic aspect yes. to it. Yes. So it, as Doiverd would say in terms of the aspects of creation, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> we look around us and we see, well, in the way that homes are built, you know, there's attention and thought is given to whether it's aesthetically pleasing. And when we renovate or decorate our houses, we don't go, oh, how can we have a really ugly interior decoration? Right. Or the furniture that we buy, you know, we, we buy it because not just because it's made of wood and is functional, but because it's, a, or, or whatever it's made of, mm-hmm. but because it's attractive. Yeah. And so there is that aesthetic aspect to everything. Nobody uh, getting ready to go out says, well, let me just check. I'm looking really ugly in the mirror before we leave the house to go for dinner. So everything that we do and are engaged in has this aesthetic uh, aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And, and if you see somebody who you know, clearly didn't check up on himself before going out, is that, oh, is, is that guy okay? Like, this is not, uh, <laughs> this is not suitable. Right, exactly. Um, and, you know, that would, that would kick over into the social aspect, right? right. We think if somebody is, comes completely inappropriately dressed, unshaven, uh, bedraggled, looks like they've just been dragged uh, through a hedge backwards, show up for a dinner party, we think, well, is this, this problem person struggling with depression or are they as you say are they okay so um this this aesthetic aspect we see is important to the life of the church from very very early on the 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 medieval um artisan was really somebody who worked for the christian church Mm -hmm. um it was later that that uh professional artists started to make more room for themselves so that you would start actually talking about professional musicians and professional painters and so on. But early on, it was very much tied to what we might call sacred art. Right. And um, whether it was sacred music and the development of choral music, church music, the requiems, the, the, the music that was composed for the communion services, uh, whether it was the paintings on uh, in chapels, most famously, of course, the, the Sistine Chapel, whether it was the mosaics on the floors of the churches or the beauty of the stained glass windows and so on. Art was um, very much in service of the life of the church. But when I was reflecting on this recently, I was thinking about the, the different ways that we see in Scripture uh, um, music and dance and dramatic arts and stuff being actually employed. Uh, you think of Miriam, for example, who led the, mm-hmm. the, 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 the women of Israel after the crossing of the Red Sea um, in 
um, uh, a dance. Yes. And um, Miriam would have led because not just because she happened to have a tambourine, but because she was skilled. Yes. And uh, she would have been a skilled dancer. Um, you've got David, um, who was well known at times for his quite extravagant dance. Uh, yes. Um, yeah. In his linen ephod at one point. Um, you've got the incredible music of the temple. Um, you've got the... Uh, you've got the, a, a list in, uh, you know, in Samuel and in Kings about how many musicians David and Solomon had, like temple musicians, which right. instruments, which set, like they had, you know, the rhythm and the percussion and the wood, the woodwind section. Yeah, and we shouldn't become impatient with that detail because yeah. it's saying something about God. It's saying right. something about what God values. And uh, we read in the book of Exodus, of course, that all the decoration of the temple, even the, the ornamentation of the priestly garments, the Bible actually says, God says, it's for beauty and for glory. That's right. So um, we, we mustn't lose that. You know, the, the God is concerned with beauty and, and glory. Uh, I think he's concerned with comedy. I mean, look at, uh, <laughs> look at Elijah when he's um, uh, poking fun at the prophets of Baal, you know, is your yeah. God you know, using the restroom right now? Or yeah. what, what's, I mean, that was meant to be funny. It was meant yeah. to make the children of Israel laugh, and it was, it was meant to make the, uh, the, the prophets of Baal fume, Yes, um, yeah. which is part of the, yeah. the purpose of comedy. And then you've got, I would say, a sort of form of dramatic arts involved when you've got people like Isaiah walking around, I don't recommend this one as a as prof mm. prophecy today, but um, walking around naked prophesying. You had yeah. Jeremiah. Performance um, art. Who, <laughs> yeah, very much performance art. Uh, hiding his undergarments under a rock in, on one occasion. You've got um, Hosea, I mean, essentially has to dramatize the apostasy of Israel by marrying a prostitute. Yeah. Um, Ezekiel literally eats a scroll um, uh, as, a, as an object lesson and then lies on his side for 390 days. You've got the parables of Jesus, um, the, the remarkable stories, uh, engaging storytelling that is making, um, driving home critical points about the kingdom of God. And then also the overlooked fact that God used, um, let's call it an early form of cinema to communicate his message to even pagans. Hmm. So, V visions and dreams mm -hmm. think about ezekiel's vision wheels within wheels you yep. think about the visions of joseph about uh, to prepare him for his ministry uh, in egypt as yep. prime minister effectively so um this uh, this this aspect to um i mean that that they're looking at some specific sort of creative arts as i say the professional artist emerged um later but being an image bearer is to be a cultural being who's creating, who's making, and um, there's very much an aesthetic function to all of that. And so that's why we can talk about not just culture making, but a culture of beauty, we, whether it's the uh, ethical beauty or um, artistic beauty or um, the, the harmony and aesthetic value necessary in economic life. You take your pick, any given area, mm -hmm. God rejoices in, in beauty. It glorifies God. So whatever area of life we're serving in, we need to be thinking about how we're beautifying um, God's creation. And, 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 and it's vital that we remember as ordinary Christians in that. The Apostle Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.4, everything created by God is good and nothing should be rejected if it is received with thanksgiving. So you cannot, 
flee from if we think we're going to get away from evil by fleeing one aspect of creation into another mm-hmm. so oh you've got to get out of politics there's so much wickedness there yeah it's so ugly and and, and awful flee politics no yeah. flee the arts or flee yeah. the arts flee theater yeah flee dance flee music um or flee the law look how corrupt it's becoming yeah th- th- that's a grave mistake you, everything god has created in terms of its structure, is good and to be rejoiced in and, and, and should be received as God's gift with thanksgiving. The critical distinction, and, and we, I don't think we tire of talking about this, is between structure and direction. Yep. Structure and direction. Structure is God's creation itself and the laws and norms that God has established for the government of his creation. Um, and that's why everything that he has created is good. Paul is echoing there, Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 2. And no matter how active sin is, sin and creation can never be merged into one. They cannot be collapsed into each other. Right. So they, they, are, they will always remain distinct. Sin acts as like a parasite on God's good creation. It latches onto it to try and distort and destroy it. But it, it is never merged with creation. So we've got the structures of God's good creation. And then we have the issue of direction. And direction in human life concerns the directions of sin and redemption. We're either moving, uh, we're, we're either um, stewarding God's creation in terms of apostasy, where we're we're actually taking dominion in an apostate direction. We're trying to actually alienate God's creation from him. Or we are living and serving in obedience, taking dominion as God's stewards, as his servants, um, moving in a faithful direction and therefore being involved in the reconciliation of all things to God. Not alienating creation from God in apostasy, but reconciling all things to the Lord Jesus Christ so it's being brought into subjection. And uh, because creation is good, God's committed to cleansing it from pollution and releasing it from its bondage to decay. So it doesn't matter how intertwined sin and creation become, they remain distinct. And it's no good saying, well, I'm going to flee the arts or I'm going to flee the law because there's so much evil there as though fleeing into another domain of creation, you will find some higher plane of existence. You won't. Mm That structure and direction of sin and redemption is operative in every single area of creation. A lot of people who who would say these kinds of things, though that sin, the sin of politics, is sort of is on sort of very public display in in a lot of cases. I don't think I think a lot of people who would be sympathetic with that kind of flee this specific realm don't realize how much sin and corruption there is in inkeeping and right. farming and yeah. you know being a uh, you know an author yeah because of course wherever you go you <laughs> carry your sin with that, you that's right so you know because sin is is something that that, that is you know in in the reformed tradition we talk about total depravity that doesn't mean that people are as evil as they possibly can be it means that every aspect of our being has been affected by sin yes yeah, and and um, and therefore, wherever you go, you bring uh, that sin with you, and everywhere the unbeliever goes, they take that sin with them. But nothing about that sin is capable of utterly destroying God's creation. And um, in that sense, God's law word for creation resists 
uh, holds firm, it resists that um, destructive direction of apostasy. And um, when you start to live in harmony, of course, with God's order, that's when a culture of um, a beauty can can start to take shape. So mm. we mustn't reduce direction to structure. And that's the tendency of many Christians is they reduce a sin direction in a given area to that structure of creation itself. And um, in fact, um, I like the way Albert Walters uh, has put, put it in his, his little book, Creation Regained. He says... Um, the everyday components of our lives, our family, our sexuality, our thinking, our emotions, our work, are the structured things that are involved and at stake in the pull of sin and grace. The directional battle does not take place on a spiritual plane above creaturely reality, but rather occurs in and for the concrete reality of the earthly creation. And that's where the battle is going on. It's going on right now in your life, whoever's listening, your, your family, your vocation, your civic life, every aspect. This is where the, that, that directional battle is actually going on. Evil is not inherent within creation. It's this parasite. And so we shouldn't despair of any area of, of life. And that's what we're really communicating to the Runner Academy students. It's why it's sort of the, the capstone lecture is because we're saying to them, don't despair of any area of life that you may be involved in. Yes. Don't despair of any sphere of life you're involved in because it can be reclaimed and renewed um, by the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah. And ugliness can be turned uh, to beauty. The danger, of course, is that, you know, it's always possible to, to, to make anything in creation an idol. That's right. So, you know, and I, I guess one of the areas that can very quickly become an idol is the arts. People yeah. recognize the power of this aesthetic aspect of our lives. It communicates so much, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. We hear a beautiful yeah. piece of music or we see a beautiful painting or we watch an amazing piece of cinematography. Yeah. Um, and it can be so formative in people's lives. And uh, it's very easy for the thing that you're uh, talking about that's there to, to the where we're trying to point to the glory of God and the beauty of all that God has done to become a sort of the art to become an end in itself. Yes. Um, and God to get actually pushed out the picture. Yeah. And uh, C.S. Lewis actually um, uh, warned about this, uh, the danger of, of man's creativity, his art and his culture stealing his affection. He said, every poet and musician and artist, but for grace is drawn from love of the thing he tells to love of the telling. Mm -hmm. um, that's a that's a great way to put it. Yeah. So the the the, the art form itself can can actually become an idol, and um, that danger is present because you can you can lift out and absolutize the aesthetic aspect and say, look, you know, this is the meaning of life. This is the this is surely the essence. This is the key. This is this experience of beauty of being enraptured in this sense of harmony and and um, and balance and so on and so forth. And um, uh, it's so easy for people to be to idolize musicians and uh, um, idolize artists rather than the rather than rejoicing in the art itself and thinking about what it's um, actually telling us about God. So that's really where we ended up with um, with Runner. Um, all all this service in in our lives is working towards the reconciliation of all things to Christ and. God shall finally make his home with us in a renewed earth. As Evan Runner says, you know, God's plan will be carried out. His kingdom will triumph. And, and our task is to be 
to be faithful. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's not it's not a drudgery of oh I've got to be really just simply disciplined in this area and disciplined in that area and we've got to get this right and that right. It's that life is beautiful. Yeah. It, it, yep. God made it beautiful. He made it good. And he said of human beings, it's very good. And uh, when, he's, when God is giving the instructions for his temple, he's saying for beauty and for glory. Mm-hmm. And we need to rejoice in life. That's part of what Runner is about. We want to rejoice in life and celebrate the goodness of being these, of being embodied image bearers of the living God called to take the, 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 the majesty, the beauty, the wonder of this creation and be given the privilege of, of shaping and molding and fashioning that good creation into a culture of beauty that in the end the Lord Jesus will, will, take, will present to God the Father. Uh, and Because uh, the, 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 the kingdoms of this world will be the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. That's right. And he's going to present it all to the Father and Christ will have the supremacy in all things. So we, try and, we left on that high note. That's where we, we left the students with a sense of, um, uh, of hope, um, of 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 faith of confidence that whatever sphere they're serving in it can be holiness to the lord and as we live and serve as the scripture says worship the lord in the beauty of holiness even our ethical lives have this aesthetic aspect the beauty of our holiness the way in which we live out um uh, our, our genuine christian piety is a beautiful thing to behold well, that's a uh, that's a perfect uh, perfect place to put a uh, put a cap on this conversation. That sounds like a, like a conclusion from the lecture. I won't uh, I won't pry or won't spoil that for for those who are listening. But uh, let's uh, let's leave the conversation there, Joe. It's it's great to have you back. Good to be back. And uh, for from all of us here at uh, at the Ezra Institute and the podcast for Cultural Reformation. We remind you that from him and through him and to him are all things. May God alone be glorified. And we'll look forward to being with you again with a full complement of, uh, of hosts next week. Mm-hmm.